back with another live episode of Bully Ball on the Gold Standard Podcast Network. I'm Jason Aponte, joined as always by Steph Sanchez. Steph, it's Stephanie. This is what I'm not this, Italian, right? What, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It does not matter. It does not matter. Okay. <laughs> okay. This is this is the sign for this is the sign for like chef's kiss. We're about to cook. Yeah. Oh. <clears throat> yes, First chef. of all, the vibes. The vibes. How are the vibes? Immaculate. Immaculate. Okay. Um, this week has been well, this week is gonna be filled with interesting takes all the entire time, right? And oh, yeah. um they're gonna range from we knew they're not like that. I've got way different takes than that. But I want to start with you. The San Francisco 49ers find a way to win this game. I've watched this game three times, Steph. I don't have a firm grasp on how it happened, but it did happen. What are your thoughts, Steph? <laughs> uh, well, you know, what was kind of interesting is, like, it feels like the last two times the 49ers have played the Packers – in the playoffs that they probably shouldn't have won the game, right? Like in, in different ways. Last time it was a snow game, very defense heavy and kind of a miracle play at the end there by Jordan Willis is what gave the 49ers the win this time rain. Uh, I mean, the 49ers came out, maybe you can say rusty. I don't know, but I think rain did play a role in that as well as so dealing with the uh, double R's rust and rain and I, you know, I, I just felt like at, at some points watching this game, and I don't know if you felt the same way, Jay, I was mentally preparing myself for the 49ers to lose. Like I was, I was already getting my talking points ready for this week of shows. I was already thinking to myself, damn, like we really made fun of the Eagles and Cowboys last week and we're about to join them. Uh, you know, I was, all those thoughts went through my head watching this and, you know, but at the same time, it was still a close game. And, it, it, you know, the 49ers had a had a chance and they took it. They took that chance. And that's really what this game came down to, which team was going to put which quarterback really was going to put the team on their back and get the win for their team. And we know uh, what transpired. So. I know we're going to talk about it, but yeah, some interesting stats uh, from this game that, that we could definitely look at. Yeah, and I think just because we believe the 49ers are the best team in the NFC, and I still believe that to this day, doesn't mean that the fashion that they won should deter you from thinking that, right? And I can go through basically every NFL champion and say, well, that was a game they should, probably should have lost. It happens all the time. For me, it's it's about surviving and advancing, right? Um, I hate to be the guy to bring this up, but the New York Giants got ten points off of two Kyle Williams fumbles, and they headed on to they headed on to the Super Bowl. Do you think that they sat there and said, "Oh, well, I don't know. You know, we shouldn't be here. Who cares? Who cares how you win? This isn't college football." But I wanted to start cooking at least a little bit, just a little. Let's start here. Okay. Yeah, let it simmer. The national media, critics, pundits, everyone wanted to see the San Francisco 49ers win a game that they were behind. They wanted Kyle Shanahan to win a game that he was down. I they keep moving the goalposts. Five, seven, eight, you know, you know, eight yeah. points, whatever it is. Yeah. He I want to see Brock Purdy win a game when he has the ball in his hands at the end of the game, when it's on him. Check, check, check. 
So now, now that that has happened, now it's somehow a bad thing. Isn't that what you wanted to see from everybody? Doesn't matter how ugly it was early, how scary it was. Because I'm I'm with you, Steph. When Aaron Jones make, runs off for 50 yards, I'm like, all right, well, start preparing the eulogy. Um, thank God, kickers are awful. It's another win for me, by the way. Anders Carlson, thank you. <laughs> but you wanted to see all these things from the 49ers, and then you get it. And then now it's a problem. I want to say something else, too. Come around, folks. Let me regale you with the tale of the 1981 NFC Championship game. Joseph Montana throws a pass to Dallas Clark on the last drive to win. But you know what's funny and what people forget? Joe Montana threw three interceptions and fumbled the football once. Doesn't sound like to me like he was having a flawless game. But when he had to have it, he had to have it. Tom Brady has made a career early on when he was with the with the New England Patriots of having okay games and then getting the ball at the end and finishing the job. So why on earth now should I why on earth should I now sit here and be worried about something that everybody wanted to see and the team's moving on? Improbable victories happen all the time in the playoffs especially for teams that end up winning the whole thing. You probably need one or two of them if you even want to, you know, be in that conversation. I'm not going to sit here and be worried now. It's ridiculous. It's not going to rain Sunday. The 49ers defense is not going to be falling all over the field. <laughs> it sounds like Debo Samuel is going to play. I just don't understand this one, Steph. <clears throat> None of it makes sense to me. Well, I mean, you mentioned that all of these media pundits wanted – to see the 49ers do this and Dwight do Clark. that. Yeah, yeah. 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 Dwight Clark. I know. I don't, I don't know why I keep saying Dallas. I guess uh Iowa State, uh, Iowa tight and you all that stuff. Yeah. And so the truth is no one all all those guys that say, well, they gotta do this, they gotta do that. The truth is they don't want to see the 49ers win, period, because that would fit their narrative. And they don't think that Brock Purdy can do it under the, those circumstances. That's why they keep moving the goalposts. Do it without all these superstars. He did it without Debo. Do it in the rain. He did it in the rain. Do it when things don't go perfectly. You know, I, I would say that game was far from perfect. Oh, yeah. uh, show me how you can come back from behind. He did it. And and by the way, this is the second time he's done it. He, he already did it against the Cleveland Browns which was also one of his worst graded games by PFF um, as well as the Packers game on Saturday, both times led the 49ers to game winning drives last time. It was up to the kicker though. That didn't work out this time, you know, thankfully CMC <laughs> able to get in for the score, but Brock Purdy on that final drive was what five to seven, 40 something yards. And I don't well, care yeah, how much his he depth once. of once, no, he missed okay. once the George Kittle. And the that George was a George Kittle, Kittle. That was a drop. Yeah. That was a straight up drop. Yeah. So besides that, yeah. he was he was perfect. And I don't care what his depth of target was. Like I right. I don't give a f I am sorry, Rob, oh. for swearing. But oh. I, I don't care. And no one's talking about Jordan Love's mistakes. For love, it's oh well, like they never thought he'd be here. He's so young, he's still learning. First year as a starter, 
And you know what? That's fair for Jordan Love because all those things are true. But why doesn't Brock Purdy get that same energy? It should be the same energy for Brock. That's where he was last season. He's still very young. And yet he gets compared to these ridiculous standards. The right takeaway on Brock on Saturday is that he did play a poor game. He was missing open guys. The rain did impact him on some throws. Nobody is saying ignore that. Like, it happened. It's the truth. But when the team needed him most and they needed him to be who he is, he was that. And they won the game because of it. That's also true. Both things can be true, and they are. And we can acknowledge both. I don't know why that's so hard for people. And I don't know why we got to move the goalposts for Brock Purdy. Oh, well, okay, well, he came back from behind, but I wasn't impressed because it wasn't by 10 or more points. What are we even doing here? Who gives a f I'm sorry. Who gives a f He won this game. It's a playoff game. Like, I, I, don't, I don't understand. All Brock Purdy does is play football, and, like, he, he doesn't talk, and he doesn't respond to any of this, and he doesn't deserve, like, what's happening in, in the media. Like, it, it really doesn't make any sense to me. And if you look at both quarterbacks in the fourth quarter, Jordan Love – Jordan Love was uh, five of seven in the fourth quarter, 19 yards interception. Brock Purdy, eight of 12, 68 yards. Didn't turn the ball over once in this game, by the way. And he answered a lot of questions for us fans that I think, you know, we hadn't really had answered throughout the regular season. So, yeah, even despite it being a bad game for Brock as a whole, he did what he needed to do at the end. And that's all you can ask for from a quarterback in the playoffs he's yep. the 49ers are going to the nfc championship game i have never seen i've never seen like so much disrespect towards brock purdy after a quarterback like gets a game-winning drive for the team like I've, I've never seen anything like this and i don't know why like it's just brock purdy i don't understand but yeah i'm standing on business this morning and oh, yeah. you know i had some things to get off my chest uh, but I'm going to let you cook, Jay. I know you got more. Yeah, look, I mean, that's why I send out sarcastic tweets all the time. I, for one, can't give Brock Purdy any credit until he beats the 85 Bears on Mars. <laughs> <laughs> because you, ne you never you never can just say, like, uh, the, the Keyshawn Johnson thing. Okay. Yes. Well, it's not really a comeback because you kicked the field goal, and then it was four. What the f*** are you talking about, dog? Has CTE gotten you too? Like, are you insane? Like, it, it's insane. To, like, Richard Sherman's face said it all in that segment. But I also did want to say something else too about paying attention to the national media. It's the same thing that I said about, you know, the, the certain person that everyone looks to for his Brock Purdy analysis for some reason. I wouldn't look to him for a football analysis at all. And I'm talking about Nick Wright. I don't ask White Castle chefs for their advice on putting up gourmet meals. So stop worrying about what Nick Wright has to say. It's it's all entertainment. If you're watching it, you're not watching it to be informed. You're watching you're watching it to watch two idiots at a bar argue with each other, right? While they're drinking, right? Like it's not because you want to be informed. It's not because you're going to learn anything. You're not going to learn a damn thing. In fact, you're probably going to lose brain cells. So we have to stop paying attention to that stuff too. Yeah. But 
in terms of everything that you wanted to see, you've seen it all at this point. You've seen everything that they wanted to do. Battle tested. They've got to win this game. Can they win in the ring? Can they win without Debo? Can they win without with, with Kyle behind? All these parameters, all these things. And then they did it. And now you you're worried now. Um, the world needs Steph's rant as Nick Bosa. <laughs> That's pretty good, actually. But you still can acknowledge that there were many throws that weren't that like they, they should have been hit. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. Um, the throws were there. You know, you 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 missed the throws, fine. But like Steph said, you have to objectively look at this game and say, well, when the chips were down and he had a chance, right? I mean, look, let's look at it this. Jordan Love, everyone thinks that Jordan Love played better than Brock Purdy. Did he? Did he? One guy didn't turn the ball over. And I've seen that story before with the 49ers and the quarterback, right? The game's starting to get out of hand. It's starting to move in a direction where you're nervous. And I hate to do this to Jimmy Garoppolo, but if that was Jimmy Garoppolo, there's probably no way that they find a way to win that game. Probably no way. And I watched Dak Prescott the week before get avalanched in the same way and couldn't get and couldn't get his team back in there. But Dak's the MVP, right? Dak is the MVP conversation. I don't know if Brock can be. I've watched that game happen to other quarterbacks. And I've watched how it goes. And it doesn't end the way that it ended on on Saturday. And it did. Again, survive, advance. I don't care. In fact, I am more encouraged now that the 49ers played their worst game possible and still found a way to win. Because regardless of whatever happens on Sunday, which, you know, spoiler alert, I'm, I'm picking the 49ers to beat the Detroit Lions. It can't be worse than that. There's no way they play like that again. They won't be falling all over the field. They won't be these blown coverages, all that stuff. So I'm done. I'm done with the, the negativity. Like, I don't understand how people can get negative about a game that was literally a game you shouldn't have won. It doesn't, that doesn't translate to the next game. If the 49ers go out there and they blast the Detroit Lions, does that make it any less of a, a divisional win because they barely won? It just it, it doesn't make any sense, man. There's things that the Niners need to clean up, particularly the offensive line, coverage bus. Um, some of those throws, again, how much of that has to do with the fact that it was raining? We know all that. But I'm willing to bet whatever little money I have in my account that the 49ers are not going to play that poorly again on Sunday. And that's something that you should be encouraged by, not discouraged by. Yeah, I mean, I think it really depends how you look at this game and what perspective you have on it. I've seen some fans mention like, you know, now I'm a little more nervous about, you know, this game coming up against the Lions because of how they played against the Packers. But yeah, I, I think that that is the takeaway that people should have, that they could play one of their worst games and still come away with the win. Now, you can't do that two weeks in a row. You can't you can't advance in, you know, maybe get a little lucky and think that you're going to get away with it a second time. Right. Especially not in the playoffs. Uh, so I think they know that. I think it was good for the team to kind of see that they can do it as well, for all of us to see that they can do it. Um, and, yeah, a lot of those factors that that played a role in it on, on Saturday, like the rain, you know, Debo being out, they might not have to deal with those, you know, on Sunday. You know, right now it's looking pretty pretty sunny, favorable weather for the 49ers. And, and like you said, you know, I think Debo – probably leaning towards playing i know the latest report was he is like 50 50 for sunday but it's the playoffs man it's like Debo, you got to go out there my guy <laughs> uh but but yeah i mean i i think 
I think they know they they can't do that again. And I think without the rain, we saw a lot of guys slip in and, and things like that. We saw Brock Purdy, you know, be inaccurate a little bit, maybe even hesitant at times. Uh, maybe that had to do a little bit with the rust, but I think also it had to do with the rain and not trusting, you know, his – his grip on the ball, I'm not sure. He literally like wiped his hand at one point before uh, making a throw. Uh, so all those things aren't going to play a role on Sunday. So I would expect a bigger day for Brock Purdy um, and this defense as well on Sunday. They're going to come with it. But let's talk about some other things. Um, you know, Kyle Shanahan does bust the narrative here, um, even though I don't know why people forget that his team in week 18, you know, went and came back against the Los Angeles Rams. But I guess that's where that, that tricky number comes in. Um, were they down six? Were they down seven? Well, let's just start it here at seven. Um, mm -hmm. You know, fun fact, <laughs> fun fact, a lot of coaches, when you're down to the double digits, usually lose. Um, and please do not cite the less than 10 times that it's actually happened. It, if you're down double digits in the playoffs, for the most part, you lose, okay? So I don't know why everybody needs to see. Well, I don't know, man. I need to see him come back from 21. Nobody does. Nobody does, okay? Sure, cite 28-3 to me the, all you want. Also, the point, this game. the point total increases every time. Like, first it was like, okay, has Kyle come back from three points? Then it became right. four. It's like it, like it keeps increasing yeah. every single time. So the next graphic right. they show when Kyle Shanahan is down in the fourth quarter is going to be like five-plus points. Seven points, yeah. you know, whatever. I, I want to see him come back from this amount of points. Nobody does. And please don't cite the four, five, six times that it's happened out of the 300 times that it's had, that there have been um, playoff games. And, and usually when you're in down double digits, you lose. Yeah, sure. Cite 28-3 to me. Cite the Houston Oilers. Cite the New York Giants. Cool. There's far less instances of it than there are. I don't understand what's so hard to understand about that in terms of, Oh, I need to see him come back from 21. If you go down 21 in a playoff game, you lose. You lose because, fun fact, Steph, in the playoffs, better teams play. <laughs> You're not playing the Atlanta Falcons with Arthur Smith and Desmond Ritter. You're probably playing a very good team if you're in the playoffs. I don't understand that whole uh, double-digit thing. No, nobody wins when it comes to double digits. And please don't cite the four, five, six instances where somebody did because those are not the rules, the exceptions. But Kyle Shanahan gets that monkey off his back. But Steph, my goodness, man, I have I have some things that a little bit worried me in this game. Going into the half, going into the half, that, that whole time management sequence <laughs> with three timeouts oh, to that. set up a kick. <laughs> yeah, to set up a kick. And ball don't lie. Ball don't lie. That's why you don't play for the field goal. By the way, if that kick wasn't blocked, it was heading to the tunnel. Ball don't lie. Ball don't lie. That's why you don't do that. I don't understand. I, I you know, for all the things that we say about Kyle Shanahan and the and the trust that he has in Brock Purdy, um, it just feels like at that moment he didn't have any trust in anything. And I don't get that part. Another thing. Debo Samuel leaving the game shouldn't make you completely freeze up. Like, you can hand the football off to Christian McCaffrey. Throw the ball to George Kittle and Brandon Ayuk. I don't understand why 
I, all right, here's what I'll say. I understand because you've been practicing all week. You've been practicing everything, you know, the way that you have. You game plan. You got your install. But once Debo leaves, you you turn into the water boy coach, the one like he can't even like call plays anymore because they stole your green notebook. I, I don't understand. Um, it's just I understand focusing on Debo Samuel because he's so important. But when Debo leaves, you cannot just like lose all semblance of the game. I, I, I don't I don't understand that part. And then the first play out of the half. Hand off to Jawan Jennings. Now, off the wristband, whatever, whatever. It was a mistake. It's on you, Kyle. You can't let that happen. You cannot let that happen, not in a divisional game, right? What What am I supposed to take from this? I mean, you know that I love Kyle. You know that I think he's the best coach for a while and everything. But what is it about when Debo Samuel leaves that this man just, just freezes up, it feels like? I mean, I don't know if he froze up. I mean, I would just say I think it's clear that Debo was a big part of the game plan and what the 49ers were going to do that day. And, yeah, that's that's hard to adjust to. I think I would have liked to see more Christian McCaffrey involvement early, and especially when Debo Samuel went down, I would have liked to see a little more of McCaffrey. Um, but for whatever reason – you know, that didn't happen. And, you know, Kyle Shanahan could have and should have probably called a timeout when he saw Jawan Jennings about <laughs> about to get that snap uh, and get that carry. Um, and, and maybe they could have called something else or maybe they could have, you know, worked in different personnel. I'm not sure. I mean, it's pretty clear that there's not maybe the only other guy that can replicate what Debo does is Christian McCaffrey on this team. Um, so yeah, that's why I would have wanted to see more of, of him early. Um, but I don't know. I, I don't know what all goes into that. I mean, it's, I think it'd be tough for any team to lose a player who is a big part of the game plan in a game. Um, I think also there were some throws for Brock Purdy to make, uh, before the half that, you know, were just misses. Um, was that the one where, uh, Ray Ray McLeod, uh, was it that drive where Raymond McLeod ran like the wrong, he didn't r- r- run the wrong route, but it was like a miss. Yeah. Yeah. Was it on that drive? I think so. I believe so. If I'm not mistaken. And that was on third down. If I'm also not mistaken. Um, so that was there. Oh, Ray Ray said it was at the end of the game. Was it? Yeah. I, I don't think it was that drive. It wasn't the last drive though. Okay. Okay. It, it was before yeah. it was after the half though. Okay. Yeah. Um, but there were some, there were some plays there. Uh, I know like KP, cut up one of the all 22 clips from one of them where he probably could have had Brandon Ayuk open. I personally thought that was a tough throw to to make over two defenders. Um, but it's, you know, Kyle had the plays. It's like whether or not they're executed um, or not. But the timing thing, I don't know. That seemed weird. Like it, it, it seemed like they were taking their sweet ass time. Cause again, like Kyle didn't want to give the ball back to the Packers. But then at the very end, it was like, okay, we're running out of time. Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> and like scrambling to try to make something happen. Uh, and, you know, obviously at that point, uh, you couldn't really make anything happen. But, yeah, here's a clip from from KP. He probably had uh, Brennan Ayuk. Uh, but in the heat of the moment, like I again, I think that's that's tough. You see the two linebackers, um, you know, moving back. 
as uh, as Purdy's looking at Ayuk, so that's probably why he thought that wasn't a good throw. Of course, after he he checks down to <clears throat> Christian McCaffrey, Ayuk looks wide open. Um, but you know, in milliseconds, could look differently. And also, I don't think you really need to take a big risk there. So. I, I understand that play from from Purdy's perspective, taking the check down. But in any case, like I think the criticism on Kyle Shanahan is fair because this is something we've seen from Kyle like all the time, and it's usually in like big games like this. And I feel like it's in games where he kind of he respects who's on the other side. Like he's kind of scared about what that other coach on the other side is cooking. Um, in his mind, and he sees the game as like a big chess match, and you know he has to outsmart his his opponent, which is the head coach on the other side, or the play caller on the other side. So, uh, yeah, I, I would like Kyle to get, I guess, like be a little more aggressive in those moments and have a little more confidence in his team. Like I think they could have scored on that drive, and it sucks because you always look to double dip on the points. They had the ball coming out of the half. They didn't do shit after the half. So, like, you know, you lost that opportunity in addition to missing the or getting the kick blocked before the half. So that was an opportunity to to run away with some momentum and they couldn't capitalize. And I think a lot of it had to do with the time management and all that. Yeah. And again, look, Kyle won the game. They won at the end of the game. They did something that they needed to do. This is just pointing out objectively what happened in the game. That's all. Yeah, um, and this isn't complaining, by the way, because I see a comment saying complaining about elite coach is funny. This isn't complaining. It's just like fair criticism. I think we, we're we allowed to give we, fair criticism on, on anyone. It, and, it's not complaining. I love Kyle. And how do you how do you tell the story of this game without um without talking about what happened at the end of the second uh, in the end of the second quarter going into the second half while the team was still trying to find their footing? Yes, like, we just gotta ignore that stuff, or we're. Complaining. I mean, just just talk about the good stuff only, right? I guess. Yeah. All right. Um, look, it doesn't matter how you get it done. Again, like that's gonna be the theme of this entire show. Get it done, right? And the Forty ers did, but I do have a question to ask. The Green Bay Packers have a very good offensive line, but I expected a little bit more of a pass rush with two weeks and. The fact that Chase Young was going to be starting with Eric Armstead back, everything's going to happen. There's something that I want to ask. And if if I'm wrong, say, you know, Jay, you're tripping. But the Chase Young thing in this game, I, I sometimes don't see the effort at times. Um, I'm not talking about the get off like for pass block or for pass rushing. But other times, like, I'm watching him, and I'm just like, I'm not seeing anything. Uh, like, am I tripping? No, I'm glad you said this, because I feel like I've been saying it uh, for the last couple weeks, and kind of like, like, kind of like quietly, or just like, am, am I? Yeah, kind of the same thing like you just did. Am I seeing it? Like, is this right? Have you guys noticed this, too? And I feel like I'm getting gaslit, because everyone's like, no, no, like, he's getting the pressure. She's just not. He's just not getting the sacks, but he's making this impact, this and that. For one, he's – I don't want to say it, but he setting the edge is not his strong suit, and and we saw it a, a couple of times uh, in this game. And, yeah, I think there's there's some left to be desired, especially when you had a couple weeks off. And because and I was kind of chalking up the ineffectiveness prior to 
not having enough rest, you know, like his bye week was kind of short when he joined the team. Like that was pretty much the only bye week he had this season, but it wasn't like a full bye week for him. So I was like, okay, maybe he's tired. We know how Nick Bosa looked before the 49ers bye week and how he looked after that. So I was kind of optimistic. I was optimistic for Chase Young to come out and, and be really explosive um, in this game. And he had, he had a couple of plays. Like I don't want to say he was terrible the entire game, but I think we expected a little bit more. At least I know I did. Um, and, you know, you bring up the fact the Packers have a good offensive line. Like, yeah, that's true. But guess what? The Lions have an even better offensive oh, yeah. line. And uh-huh. I I fear it's going to be another game where we see the pass rush not really get home and not really make an impact in this game. Yeah. Um, they are missing their right guard, I believe, Jackson. They're, uh, they're all world center right now. Um, is a little bit banged up, but Penesul is a dog too as well. But yeah, the Lions, the Lions have a pretty good line. Um, I would say when they're healthy, the best in the league. Um, when I was going through and doing the voting um, for All Pro, All NFL, NFC, all that stuff, um, I found myself putting down a bunch of Lions as opposed to you know putting putting uh, you know uh, you know Kelsey or Lane Johnson. Like I went, uh, but it's it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting to see this week. Right. Um, you know, the other good thing is, is that, you know, golf doesn't really move as much. That helps. But I, I still would like to see more. I still would like to see more. You have to credit also. You have to credit also the, the Green Bay Packers. You have to credit their game plan. That's a, that's one thing I think we I think we haven't done this entire time. While we've been talking about the 49ers is not just it's crediting the Green Bay Packers. Um, they're going to be good for a while. Um, and regardless of that, you know, Jordan Love won a playoff game. Um, Matt LaFleur's a good coach. They got some dogs on defense. Uh, yeah, I mean, you still have to give them credit. You know, the, the guys on the other side get paid too. So as much as you want to say whatever you want to say about how the 49ers played, I think it's important we give credit to the Green Bay Packers because they had a very good game plan and they have good players and they played well. So that's the thing is at this level right here in the playoffs, you're probably facing a really good team. Right. Odds are um, bad teams don't make the NFC championship. Bad teams don't make the AFC championship or the divisional round. Like you're going to be running into teams that are playing well and some are hot. And the Green Bay Packers were hot. And for much of this game, for about three quarters, they remain that way. Um, Luckily for the 49ers, they got turnovers. They got stops and they scored. Um, And that's that's what good teams do. Like when it's time. Yeah, I, I want to talk about the turnovers and the stops because I think that that came up huge. And I, I do give a lot of credit to the Packers in, and in my shows the last few days definitely have been. I think they surprised me in, in the 49ers as well. I was, I, in hindsight, I think I was a little disrespectful to the Packers this week because I was like, the 49ers going to blow them out and all, oh, me too. all this stuff. Uh, but, you know, respect to them, respect to Jordan Love. I really like him. I really like the offense they're putting together. Now back to the stops. Jordan Love on the Packers' last uh, or first six uh, possessions, he was 15 for 22, 168 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions at that time, rating of 120.3. Last four possessions, he was six for 12, 30 yards, no touchdowns, two interceptions, rating of 16.7. That is all – like, I got to give credit to the defense 
right there. Yeah. I got to give credit to yeah. Steve Wilkes. And going into halftime, surprisingly, I know it felt really grim for the 49ers at halftime, but surprisingly, the stats for both of those team team stats were very close to each other. So it was a pretty evenly matched game to that point, even though it didn't really feel like it. And I, I was saying, like, whatever team comes out of this halftime and makes the better adjustments on defense, that's probably who's going to win this game. And I think it was Steve Wilkes, uh, quite frankly. And I got to give credit to a couple of guys on this defense who showed out, I think, you know, all game. Yamador Lenore allowed just two catches for eight yards, a lot of passer rating of just uh, 47.9 uh, in his coverage. He's a dog in the playoffs. In the playoffs, he's allowed just a 19.6 passer rating. He's been yeah. a dog. Um, yeah. And he got turned up in the first half when he had that play where he pushed uh, Jordan Love uh, out of bounds. It was a legal hit. He didn't hit him it out was. of bounds. He hit him inbounds. He was in grass. Um, yep. But, of course, you know, Packers – players didn't really like that and it got him heated and he had a really nice sequence after that to help the 49ers get a stop I also have to give credit of course to none other than Dre Greenlaw who had not one but two interceptions in this game the game ceiling one of course we're gonna forget about the fact that you know he was running around like a madman after that second one and he gave us all a heart attack uh but credit to him for holding on to it and you know, coming through, coming in clutch. I, I think it was huge. That's that's one of the things that I don't think people are talking about enough in this game, that mm. all game we're like, what's going on with the defense? Like, especially in the first half, right? Ben don't break. That is the MO of this entire defense, and they tighten things up mm. in the second half. You watch any of these games this season, that's how it's been. And it played out that way again against the Packers. Yeah, and I mean, when you look at it, you know, Mooney has the the PBU on the first drive. They're going right down the field. Um, was a little suspicious of Logan Ryan playing over Tig. That was a little bit um, weird. Um, and then the Ambry Thomas thing. I think we should talk about. Um, we've been we've been pretty we've been pretty effusive with our praise for him, but it's very clear that what the Packers were doing was and it wasn't like a one-on-one -on -one thing right like it's not like for instance if they had you know they have a, a number one receiver and they're just like well we're going to him no matter where we go it's whoever is over on ambry whoever mm -hmm. is on that side is it dobbs is it watson is it reed is it bo melton we're gonna go at him and you have to suspect that that's going to continue because a demo's been playing so well ward is playing so well um, so that is something I do want to point out on the, the Packers final drive, um, the Packers final drive, they literally run that motion with, uh, Dobbs to, to the left, right to Ambry's side. They throw a pass and, and obviously Ambry's trying to keep everything in front of him because they're trying to not give up the field goal, but it ends up being like a nine, 10 yard gain. The very next play, Dre Greenlaw sinks underneath and gets in the, in the right spot, like right in the way. So like, you have to feel like the 49ers were accounting for that and saw what was going on. So I think that's something that we're going to see going, going forward, right? Like there's going to be a little bit more help, right? There's got to be a little bit more shading of that side. Um, the Lions present a very interesting challenge. I'm a Ross St. Brown, Jamison Williams, um, you know, Josh Reynolds, Sam Laporta, they got weapons. Um, but you got to suspect that they they have to have something in place to help Ambry at times 
if it starts to get to that point where they start just targeting him over and over again this isn't like a a megatron situation where it's like oh megatron's over there let's just throw it it's mm-hmm. i don't care who's over there dobbs reed watson we're gonna throw it and we're going at him we're going at him and then you know the pass interference um you know but the other thing about the defense is i predicted that the 49ers were gonna give up 21 points they did they did they gave up 21 points but i thought they were gonna score 38 the <laughs> thing is is this guys were falling all over the field yeah all over the field i mean that can cost you and like end up being the reason that you're, you know, you're not playing the next week, but let's not act like guys were just getting whipped, like getting whipped and whipped and whipped. Like guys were falling. They were good play calls. It was good throws, you know, but guys were falling everywhere. So I, I, I don't have as many reservations about this defense. And, and the thing too is with um the running defense, I think, Again, we're not giving credit to Aaron Jones. Aaron Jones has been on an absolute heater. And he does not go down. And he always just it always felt like every time the 49ers hit him and they had a chance to get him behind the line and they couldn't do anything with those push-pull runs, it felt like, oh, we've got him for three yards and then oh, it's nine. It's ten now. And I think that's just again, I think Aaron Jones is really good. Now the Lions have David Montgomery, Jameer Gibbs. So you got to kind of clean that up. But I do think that the run defense is a little bit more – it's a little bit more – it's a little less concerning because I think Aaron Jones is very good, and I think that we're discounting how good Aaron Jones has been um, because he gashed up the the Packers, and he's been doing this the, the entire stretch run for them. But the Ambry Thomas thing, I think, again, it's, uh, it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out because you're going to have to either shade him, play a little bit more zone, do something. You can't just leave him alone. I think that's the that's the thing that I'm trying to say. Yeah, and, and Kyle Shanahan was asked about like Ambry Thomas and it like if his play was a lack of confidence or awareness. And, you know, there was some coach speak answer from Kyle. I don't think he wanted to put too much blame on Ambry. I mean, he did say he needs a little more help. Uh, so it's not all on him. And so I think what he is talking about is is probably having a little more safety help for him. And maybe they they adjust to do that this week. I think, uh, you know, Mooney Ward and uh, Lenore are doing a hell of a job that, you know, they could probably handle being on an island a little bit better than, you know, maybe Ambry Thomas could. And so I think that adjustment this week is, is going to be really important. The, the the one thing for me, though, with Ambry Thomas is that it's just baffling. Like, the second P.I. was egregious to me. It was so bad because, one, situationally, you just can't do that. It was a third and 15, and it, it, it gave the Packers 41 yards on a third and 15. Like, that, that was a good drive from the defense up to that point, uh, about to get a stop, and that put them, the Packers, on the 49ers' 19-yard line. And they went to score after that. You were in position to make a play on that ball. And he just panicked. And that, to me, that had nothing to do with having safety help over the top or not. You were there. You are there. It's not like you got beat. You're there and you can make a play on the ball. So to me, um, that was just bad situational awareness. And and he just freaked out. So to me, that's a that's a concern. And I know you mentioned it's not so much about who the receiver is. It's not like it's a, you know, Effie, he's got to be out there somewhere. Mike right. Evans situation. This is right. a Ambry Thomas situation. This is, oh, Ambry Thomas, we're going to throw no matter who it is on right. him and see if he can make a play. 
And so far, the only plays that he's made that we've seen are the pass interference. Um, there must have been some adjustments in the second half because, you know, we didn't really see anything uh, too bad out of him after that. And I don't think I, I saw the, the Packers really try to target him all that much um, in the second half. Uh, so maybe there, there were some adjustments there and hopefully those adjustments also are made against the lions, but yeah, it's definitely a point of concern. And as far as the run defense goes, that's also a concern. Cause you mentioned Aaron Jones and yeah, credit to Aaron Jones. Like he's, he's a dude and he's been playing on a tear right now, but you got two dudes, uh, in Detroit who are both playing on a tear right now, Jameer Gibbs, who he's just so elusive and he's so quick. Mm -hmm. Um, that's my concern. Uh, I think Montgomery, like, he's a bit of a different type of runner, just more of like your typical, like, back, Goal hard line. to bring down because he's a big dude. Um, yeah. But I think his skill set matches matches up well with how the 49ers stop running backs. Like, I think they could stop and or limit uh, Montgomery. I'm more concerned about Jameer Gibbs in this game, and I'm concerned about the Lions offensive line controlling uh, the line of scrimmage. The 49ers can't let that happen. Eric Armstead, his second week back, I think, you know, Kyle Shanahan also said Eric Armstead feeling good after that first game. So that's good. They're going to need him a little bit more uh, coming up this week. Javon Kinlaw had some, some good plays there, but we we're just talking about Chase Young. And he, I think he's a guy that teams are going to want to target in the run game and, and run to his side because he's, he's shown he can't set the edge. So, um, I think that's something we're going to see, and it's going to be up to, I think, linebacker safeties uh, to come down and make some plays at times. What did you think about um, Jair Brown, you know, health now healthy, um, getting benched for Logan Ryan, who had been starting in his place while Brown was hurt? Um, well, I think, I think Kyle Shanahan at times has a – an issue with vets versus rookies. And, you know, I, I didn't, I'm not like the people that believe that there were so many things wrong with Jair Brown when he was playing that you can't play him. Sure. You know, you have a missed tackle here and there. Um, felt like that, that was a team issue, not a Jair Brown issue, but he plays fast. He plays downhill. Um, he actually, he actually is around the ball. Um, Sounds like the the guy who he'll be running with for the entire time that he's going to be here in San Francisco, like Hufunga. I didn't get it. I didn't get it. I, I didn't get it. And I think, again, Kyle has an allegiance to vets. See Josh Norman. See this guy. See that guy, right? Like, And we're just like, why is he in the game? It's, it's a little bit baffling because I think that there wasn't anything that Tick did that was – was egregious right like he wasn't like blowing tackle after tackle he wasn't getting beat and beat and beat i mean in his he got pushed into action against tampa bay he covered mike evans at the goal line and stopped him right like from the safety it's it's all been there like he's and he gets the interception and the, the ball finds him right like he's he's got a nose for the ball that's something you can't teach mm -hmm. um it's it's a little bit baffling i really didn't understand it and then when you have the the 50 yard run from aaron jones that was an awful angle by Logan Ryan, like he just flailed and threw himself. It, it it almost looked like when you're playing Madden and you hit the dive button by accident, <laughs> and you just you're just diving all over the place. Um, 
But I, I haven't seen anything from Tick that would make me that worried. I mean, sure, does he have things he needs to clean up? For sure. I mean, but the whole team misses tackles. It's not just him. I just don't understand. I don't understand that one. I mean, if the worry was Jair Brown missing tackles or being over-aggressive and maybe taking a bad angle on someone, we saw Logan Ryan do that. <laughs> so, like, you know, Jair Brown can make the same mistakes while also learning and at least, you know, have a little more aggression. You know, I – I almost feel bad because, like, I was actually – when Logan Ryan was starting because Brown was hurt, I said to myself, like, it would not surprise me at all if, if the 49ers continue to start Logan Ryan in the playoffs because I think we know, especially when it comes to the defense and the secondary, they like to bring in these, like, vets late in the season who have all this experience and all that, and they like to play them. And so I was kind of seeing the writing on the wall a little bit. And I was like, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if they if they wanted that over Brown, because I think they see Brown as a just a risk. And it's not even a risk based on his play, in my opinion. I think it's a risk just the fact that he's a rookie and he's, you know, young and he's going to make some young player mistakes at times. But he's also, I to me, like the how aggressive he is, is his strong suit as well. I think he just needs to find that balance, and I think he will. But, I mean, another thing with Brown is he was getting interceptions because he's aggressive too. Like, he he's there. He makes plays. Um, and so, I don't know. I I don't think they're going to make a switch. And, you know, based on Kyle Shanahan's comments when he was asked about it, I don't get the sense that Kyle thought it was so bad of a performance from Logan Ryan. So, I think they're going to continue rolling with him. Um, but yeah, it's just interesting decision. I'm going to need to see more from Ryan because to me, it didn't look like a guy that earned his his uh, spot. It just seemed like, oh, because you're a vet, like you're going to get this opportunity. It's right. not because of the play or anything like that. Right, right. And that's that's the thing. It's like I think there is just a little bit of an allegiance to veteran players. I mean, it's not wrong all the time. Yeah. But yeah, I, I was a little perplexed by that. I, I'll say that. I. I I didn't get that part. One other thing I thought was kind of interesting. Um, this right guard situation, you know, Feliciano has more snaps, but I look up and I'm like, is that Spencer Burford again? Like, <laughs> what is this? What is this rotation? Is one person playing or not? Did Like, I, I don't understand how you can rotate linemen, linemen. Like, I, I don't get it. Like, I look up and I'm like, oh, Feliciano's starting. That makes sense. He's a vet. And then I look up and I'm like, why is Burford in? And I'm like, it doesn't, there's no rhyme or reason to it. Like, there just isn't, right? And then it's like, you know what's funny? I think it was 10, 10 pass blocking snaps for Spencer Burford. And PFF gave him 0, 0.0 in pass blocking. Like, zero. I don't know if you guys know, but um, the grading system goes from negative two to positive two on every single play. To net zero after zero after zero on 10 pass blocking plays, I got to speak with this grader and I got to watch it because I don't know if that's even possible, man. That is man, how Burford's oh. grades on PFF, like it probably, you know, partially deserved, but it also seems like this whoever grades him just thinks he's terrible and and now he, he can't get out of that hole but um yeah i think it's interesting this is now the second year in a row that the 49ers have rotated their right guard 
And it's because Spencer Burford, clearly you don't feel confident enough in Spencer Burford or he would start the entire time and you wouldn't have to do this rotation. If you have uh, two right guards, you have none. Uh, I I thought Feliciano was playing and has been playing good enough that you just continue rolling with him. I mean, I don't know. Uh, It's just, it's weird even when Chris Forrester, the offensive line coach, was asked about it before this game, and he said that they would, or he alluded to them continuing to rotate, it didn't seem like there was a good reason why. Like, oh, we want to go with the hot hand. And eventually you would think that one guy would, I guess, separate himself, but I guess that just hasn't happened. Yeah. Yeah. And it happened last year with the same guy, with Burford and Brunskill. That's, that's what's exactly. funny about that's it. Just- it's just- that's just, an issue. That probably tells you you need you probably need someone else. <laughs> and at least last year we could have we could have understood it because Kyle said he's you know he's a rookie. I want to make sure that he doesn't get overwhelmed. Okay, but now it's your second year. Like mm-hmm. enough, you know. If you're gonna play, you're gonna play. If you're not, you're not. Um, just thought that was interesting too because when I like go through and I write my article about you know the offensive grades and snaps. I was like, I knew I wasn't tripping, and I knew I saw Spencer Burford there, like playing again, and I'm just like, I. I don't get it. I don't get this one. Um, but hey, regardless of all that and everything that we've kind of talked about, we the 49ers won, but this felt like such a strange game. Everything was strange. Like nothing felt right. Like almost from the, the moment it started. Um, it just felt like something was weird. And you start to get that sinking feeling as the game goes on. But the 49ers find a way to win the the game, man. And I think that's all you can ask for at this point. And I don't want to hear about them coming back from 31 uh, or 24 or whatever number you want to make up. I don't care anymore. I don't care. They won a game that was rainy. They won a game without Debo. They won a game that, that Brock wasn't good. They won a game that Brock had to win with a game winning drive. I don't care. Don't care. The last drive wipes it all out. I'd rather almost lose than almost win, especially in the playoffs. So uh, that's all I got, stuff. I'm just tired of it. And stop watching idiots on TV, the national media, and all that stuff, and stop giving them attention. I mean, again, you can't let you can't let everybody get you mad. Just because people say things doesn't mean you have to pay attention to them. Just because they have a platform doesn't mean you need to listen to their opinion. Just because they have an opinion doesn't mean you need to value it. Cook. So stop listening to idiots and letting them get you riled up. I don't go to I don't watch Skip Bayless to get informed. I watch him to get all red in the face and everything, and you know, like you're not going to learn anything from those guys. You may learn something from Sherm. Shout out to Uncle Sherm. You may learn something from a few guys, but there's no reason to watch any of that stuff. And then go seek it out and then get upset when they say idiotic things. It's a little bit on you now at this point because you don't have to watch. I would say unplug the cable box and uh, do not give any of that any attention. Gammon says, Adam Peters wanted a lineman, but Kyle Shanahan wanted his running back instead. I hope that kid from Michigan is going back to school because if not, Kyle's getting uh, God, Kyle's gonna go crazy trying to get that kid. Uh, what's his name? Uh, Donovan. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh man. Yeah. yeah. Oh no. Um, seriously, can we talk a little about the special team? Um, Moody made favorite. the kick. Moody made the kick. Um, Mitch was good. Mitch was real good. Um, I have a question. Jake Moody, the leg, can't kick the ball out of the end zone. Why are we having returns? He's done it before. But but why can't you consistently do it? Okay. Um, 
Rob, so Rob thinks that Kyle tells them not to, which I don't know right. why you would do that, but he's yeah. done it before. So I think if he yeah. could, he, he would. And if he would, or if they wanted to, he would. Uh, so I don't, I don't know, but the, the coverage is not good. Please so stop, stop kicking to stop yeah, please kicking stop the ball to people. That. Please, please stop, stop doing that. The kid, um, Nixon is an all pro returner. I voted for him. Kick the ball out of the end zone. This isn't about Jake Moody. It's about the kicker position as a whole. It's incredibly frustrating. And then ask the Packers if they like kickers. I mean, Matt LaFleur said, I have to pray every time this guy goes out there to kick. That's insane. That's an actual quote. That's not one of those uh, onion um, headlines uh, from, from Bleacher Report or anything like that. He was mad. They said it on the broadcast, too. <laughs> hey. And then he had to he had to walk it back. But yeah. kick the ball out of the end zone every single time. Stop, man. I mean, all you do is kick. If you can't do this, not sure what we need you for. Okay. Well, that's my kicker rant. But hey, San Francisco well, 49ers have a game on Sunday. 6.30 Eastern, 3.30 Pacific time. And they'll find out who they're going to be playing because the AFC Championship is at 12.30 Pacific time, 3.30 Eastern time. Lamar Jackson is the only thing that can help us at this point. It, I need the Kansas City Chiefs out of here. I just yeah, need I them know. off. The, like, I need them off the TV. I need them out of here. I need the. I need the team. I need them off my TV. All of them. Every single one of them. Oh God, Lamar, help us, help us, Lamar. But anyway, <laughs> make sure you guys like this video, subscribe to the channel, subscribe to the Gold Standard Podcast Network wherever you get your podcast. Make sure you follow Steph. On Twitter, SF49K. Make sure you follow me on Twitter, at Jason Aponte 2103 Make sure that you guys are enjoying this week and not giving idiots attention um, in the national media. Just don't listen to it all. And, yes, save us, Lamar Jackson. Please save us. <laughs> for Steph, for Jay, we're out of here. Peace.